Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. We are going up on the road. Hello and welcome to episode 163 of We Are Going Up. And that sunshine is very bright. It is Sunday, the 11th of October 2015. And as is tradition, David Cameron Walker, where are we? Well, we are standing outside one ground, but I can see another ground just very, very close to us indeed. So we're standing outside Meadow Lane, the home of Notts County, and of course, just over the River Trent, is the city ground, home of Nottingham Forest. And this ties in with a special, our special month of themed shows, and we're going to be celebrating the football city of Nottingham this week. We are indeed, so I, I thought it'd be good to do an episode to sort of tie in, broadly speaking, with the, uh, the two unfortunates. They're doing a theme at the moment, looking at football cities, with some really good pieces on, the, on their website. I was reading one just uh, this morning about Bristol and the city of Bristol, and uh, so we're in Nottingham. Uh, Nottingham is a, a city with a, a proud football history, but not exactly experiencing the best of times at the moment. They're not. Karma Queen's here as well. Hello there. This is a flashback, isn't it? It's like 2011. <laughs> um, we've been back for a, a university reunion, um, so it's sort of the, the morning after the night before, as it were. Um, and the day before. <laughs> yeah, and the day before. So hopefully we're going to hold up all the way through this. Um, coming up, we're going to be speaking to Paul Smith. Uh, Paul Smith. No, <laughs> Notts County fan and sports journalist, and we'll hear his thoughts on what's been a mixed start to the season for the Magpies. Sometimes we look brilliant, particularly at home. Four, four wins on the trot at home and playing some really nice football which hopefully you'll see today uh, is just allied with a real inconsistency away from home where we just can't stop conceding goals so it's really frustrating so far Also on the way we'll find out what the Notts County fans have made of their new manager Ricardo Moniz He's an interesting character I'm yet to make up my mind on him you know, some of the tactical decisions are not quite there yet. I think he's slowly growing to understand League Two football in England. I don't know what the what the Dutch football's like, but there's certainly different philosophies from the, the different nations. I'd like to go to some nicer grounds <laughs> next season, and um, I'd like a happy husband and to enjoy my roasters on Sundays don't a bit get more. To a fan. <laughs> yeah, I know. More from them later. The game today is Notts County against Plymouth Argyle, who are flying high, second in the table. Yeah, they've made a really impressive start to the season. And Derek Adams has, has been a hit so far. Some of the players he's brought in from, from Ross County, his previous club, uh, have, have hit the ground running and seems like a good time to be a Plymouth fan. It does. On the way, you're going to hear the thoughts of Chris Errington, the Plymouth writer, for the Plymouth Herald. Even in pre-season, they, they, they settled in pretty well, the new signings, and a sort of the, the nucleus of the squad from last season that got in the playoffs and the new signings have gelled, and you know, Argyle have made a great start to the season. More from Chris on the way, and it's a hell of a long way from Plymouth to Nottingham, and this time on Sunday, we're going to be speaking to some of the hardy souls, the Pilgrims fans who've made the trek up to Nottingham. Yeah, new manager, new team, rebuilt from last year, um, John Sheridan gone. Um, pleased with the start they made considering Derek Adams was fairly unknown to us um, when I found out about his appointment I did a little bit of research on him and then it's like okay 
few good signings, and it's yeah, it's been all good so far. Especially uh, past two games, have been awesome. Absolutely cracking. Yeah, he's, he's really sorted the team out. So he's got um, from a, a strong start last season with some good players. He's really uh, brought in some cracking new players, additions to the squad, and um, they're just taking it on to the next level. So uh, hopefully, have a good season ahead. Much more from the Plymouth fans later. We've also got our take on what goes on in this Skybet League Two game, and as we're celebrating Nottingham you're going to be speaking to the director of a brand new film called I Believe in Miracles. What is this all about? It's about Brian Clough and the amazing rise uh, to winning the league, winning the European Cup uh, in the 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s under Brian Clough and Peter Taylor as well. Uh, it looks really good. It's out nationally, I think, this week. Um, so we're going to have a chat to, uh, chat to him. And also the two managers as well, Ricardo Moniz and Derek Adams. And I think you're desperate for a drink. Yes, I am. Come on, let's get inside. We are going up live. Well, we've moved inside Meadow Lane and we're now perched at the back of the press box. And David Cameron Walker has uh, got a very weird cable situation going on here. His phone is being charged half the length of the press box. I'm not quite sure that's happened. Um, but it's a perfect day for football. It is, absolutely. The pitch looks fantastic. Some very interesting pitch designs. They've got like uh, circles in the centre circle, got crisscrosses in the penalty areas, there's circles round the D and then just sort of normal stripes up the middle. But the surface looks immaculate, which uh, certainly has not always been the case here at Meadow Lane. I can remember coming to some games a few years ago when we were when we were at university in the city and the pitch was tough and they shared it with the rugby club then and the, the pitch was always terrible particularly in the winter but um, great day should be, should be some good football on show hopefully and uh, wonderful uh, big uh, massive pole right in front of your view of one of the nets yes yeah I think I'm going to be after craning my neck around the, around the pole to see uh, see one of the goals but yeah that's fine all part of the character before we crack on with the, the serious Notts County chat Carl McQueen review of the match day programme you know what, it's actually very in-depth. I'm quite enjoying it. There is a lot of there. There's not too many adverts. You tend to find nowadays it's essentially adverts for the local window cleaners. Um, <laughs> it's all the same stuff. I'd like to extend a warm welcome, etc., etc. Big big game today, apparently. Well, it is a big game. Um, Notts County then. Um, inconsistent start to the season. Very, very good at home. Not so good away from home. Remember, this is their first season in Skybet League 2 after relegation last year. And it's been a bit of a tumultuous, if I can use that word, few months changes on and off the field yeah something like 18 new players I think it was during the summer maybe a few more on loan now um, so they've got a very big squad here and I know the manager's recently been talking about the need for, for players to leave uh, Meadow Lane such as the size of the squad but they brought in players with experience and they already had some experienced players there as, as I say this now I can see Alan Smith out there in the middle taking part in a, um, a possession drill uh, I'd forgotten about him. <laughs> it's a long way from the Olympic Stadium scoring against Lazio in the Champions League, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And he's not here today, of course, um, on international duty. But Roy Carroll is a, is a goalkeeper here as well. So they've got some very experienced players to, to go with a few young ones. Um, and it's, it's always difficult, isn't it? I think when you bring in that amount of players in the summer, I'm not surprised that they've had an inconsistent start to the season because they're probably still working out the team, working out the, the, the tactics, getting the players settled into the club, into the area, to, to getting to know each other. So I think it's always going to take a bit of time, but things, I think, are, are on the up. Uh, Moniz was, was nominated for manager of the month, so I think things are... This is uh, Ricardo Moniz, yeah. the Dutch manager who came in towards the end of last season. Yeah, and obviously they got relegated, but I, I think there's a certain amount of mitigating circumstances there they were on a pretty pretty bad run before he came in I mean he's an interesting guy though uh, if you look at his his record um, quite a few clubs that he's that he's uh, coached as well as managed he, he actually his background is in like skills coach and te- technique coaching um, 
He's a, a disciple of the Dutch football coach Will. Well, I, think, I don't know how you pronounce it. Will or Will Will Curver, which is. Uh, we're going a bit hipster here. Go on. Yeah, he's quite a revered name in the world of, world of coaching, and uh, another such um, contemporary, I suppose, of Moniz is Rennie Mullenstein, another coach who studied under under Curver. Um, and yeah, now he, he's made his way to, to Meadow Lane, Moniz, which is um, he's had an interesting journey. He was at Spurs once upon a time as as a skills coach, but he's also uh, been at Hamburg as a, a technical coach, Red Bull Salzburg as a, a personal coach. It says on Wikipedia. I don't know what don't know what that means. Uh, he, then he was manager of Ferenc Baros in uh, in Hungary. Uh, he's been over to Germany with 1860 Munich, uh, and now finds himself in League Two in Nottingham with Notts County and Meadow Lane. So he's had an interesting journey uh, and an interesting. Start start to life as Notts County manager from what we've spoken to fans already today and, and looked online and stuff at the forums uh, the jury seems to be out still on Moniz in terms of whether he's the man for the job here but they, they need some consistency they can't you know they change a manager again they've had so many managers in the last few seasons they're constantly sacking managers and then giving the caretakers the job and then you know six months down the line cycle starts again well actually at home uh, this season in particular in the last month or so they've been very good last few home results uh, 1-0 win against York 4-1 win against Crawley 3-2 against Luton 3-1 win against Mansfield in the uh, JPT as well uh, we caught up with uh, Mr Paul Smith right outside the uh, the massive tree outside the uh, main entrance to Meadow Lane Paul Smith uh, football writer freelance sports journalist sorry you want to say something that's what Plymouth fans are in good voice already they are um, Paul Smith freelance football writer Notts County fan we've had him on the show before uh, we caught up with him uh, just outside the ground a few minutes ago and I started by asking what he's made of this inconsistent start to the season the word to sum it up is frustrating probably so far um, I think we all had a lot of high hopes at the start of the season having seen all those players come in some really good strong names in there John Stead Isar McLeod and that sort of thing um, and having been relegated and, and the noises that were being made by the chairman and the manager indeed that we're obviously going to go all out to go back up um, and I know it's early days still we're a couple of months in but um, the amount of games we've already lost is, is a bit surprising particularly some of the losses that we've had um, and the frustration is because sometimes we look brilliant particularly at home four, four wins on the trot at home and playing some really nice football which hopefully you'll see today uh, it's just allied with a real inconsistency away from home where we just can't stop conceding goals so it's really frustrating so far do you think there is promise though and potential that this team could get better and could, you know, being as it's so early in the season still, could get up towards the, the playoffs still? Because as you say, the home record's been really good. Uh, the manager was nominated for manager of the month in September, so it's getting getting better gradually. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I'm still optimistic. Um, I was speaking to, to my, my friends and family who are Knots fans and I told them I still think we'll get at least the playoffs. Um, and the reason I think that is because of, of the statements made by the chairman and the fact that he's prepared to back the manager so much. If there's a gap which, which needs uh, plug-in on the field in terms of personnel, I think he'll go out and, and back the, the manager to do that. And if you look at the signings that we've made, like I said, John Stead, Isel McLeod, Graham Burke, and the, allied with people like Liam Noble that's already here, those, t- those players can walk into any, any um, team in this division um, so I think we've got the personnel it's now about the manager just settling the team down a little bit not making ridiculous amounts of changes like he did last week and I think if we get a settled, settled first 11 we can go on a really good run and, and still get up there I was going to ask you about the manager because obviously quite a controversial decision to get rid of Sean Derry when they did last season relegated what have you made of him? I still don't know what to make of him, to be honest. Obviously, it was a little bit of an unknown. Well, he was an unknown to us when he came in, but the chairman really, really keen to get him in. I think he tried to get him in previously and, and, and wasn't able to, but they managed to do the deal. I can't blame him for last season going down because we were already on a real downward slope and I don't think anybody would have saved us. 
Um, so it was a clean, clean slate really in the summer. Um, he's been backed, as I say. He's, he's been allowed to bring as many players in, in as he wants. And at the minute, he's proving frustrating with his tactics, with his team selections. I think he's getting a fair amount wrong. Um, and it's perhaps putting us in jeopardy. I think the manager so far is, is the one that's to blame for the inconsistency rather than the players themselves because he's changing and chopping and changing tactics and, and starting lineups too much. Um, but I think there is something in there. He's, he, he talks well, he, he wants to play football the right way. He's picked out some really good signings. So if he can just start trying to get that consistency in team selection, he could do all right. But he's got a big month this month, I think, to get it right. And I think you do need to, to, to back him and, and, and stick with him perhaps because it's, this has not been a very stable football club has it for a number of years now there's been a lot of managerial changes there's been problems off the field as well so you know just some consistency not sacking your manager for once in a season would, would be a good thing I think wouldn't it I totally agree yeah and I think that's perhaps why he will be given a bit more time I think the, the chairman's readily um, admitted himself that he sacked managers far too early um, and I think he really wants that stability as well but at the end of the day if, if results aren't coming then there will be noises for him to go um, but he, like I said I think he's got a big month we've got some really tough fixtures this month um, if by the end of it we've come out of it and we're really in touching distance with the playoffs hopefully we'll be, then be ready to fly but I agree we, we need to try and keep faith with one manager we all thought it would be Sean Derry being a Nottingham lad and having saved us from relegation against the odds of the season before he sort of lost his way a bit which was a shame because um, he's a Knotts fan as well um, but I think um, this time he, I think the chairman went all out to get Ricardo Moniz so I think he's going to back him as much as he can You mentioned it's going to be a tough month this month this is a big game they can go top with a win and it's live on Sky as well this afternoon um, are you confident that the players can, can rise to all that? I am confident I'm always confident at home away from home I think we'd definitely lose but at home I don't know what it is about us here we just seem to play really really nice football um, or if it's the pitch and the nice grass I don't know that maybe we don't get all the time away from home Plymouth are obviously a very, very strong side. Um, they've had a really good start to the season and I think they will be up there regardless come the end of the season. But I think we can beat them today by getting the ball down, playing it, getting it into our strikers at McLeod and, and Stead and, and getting some goals. I think it'll be an entertaining game and I think we'll edge it. We're about to be run over by the kit man here. <laughs> <laughs> Paul. No worries. So that was Paul Smith, freelance football writer, big Notts County fan talking Lovely to us. Lovely man. Lovely man talking to us outside the ground a few minutes ago. Uh, we're going to hear from Notts County fans in just a second on what they've made of things uh, so far this season. But I've just seen a name on the team sheet, number 40. This sticks out like a sore thumb. Kevin Pilkington is on the bench. Yeah, talk about Roy Carroll being experienced. Pilkington, I can't believe he's still he's still, still playing. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google him while we uh, while we listen to some fans, and I'll come back and tell you what he's been up to. Um, so as the Notts County fans applaud the players off as they just walk off uh, to go into the dressing room and get changed and all that kind of gear just for kick off, uh, we're going to hear from uh, a collection of Notts County fans we spoke to outside the ground. Uh, we asked them what they made of their new manager. We've been talking about him already. I say new manager, he's been here about six months now. What they made of him so far, Ricardo Meniz. This is what the Notts County fans had to say. He's an interesting character. I'm yet to make up my mind on him. You know, some of the tactical decisions are not quite there yet. But as I say, it's going to take time. We've had a lot of injuries. We've had a lot of new players in the summer, so it's all about learning what everyone can do and that kind of thing. I think he's slowly growing to understand League Two football in England. I don't know what the what the Dutch football's like, but there's certainly different philosophies from the, the different nations. So this is where you're looking at the experience of Dave, Kevin and the backroom guys to actually say, hold on a minute, Ricardo this won't work in this country because of X, Y, Z. We started okay. Um, I think we've done better home recently than we have away. Um, I just think 
you know, it got to the point where we were in, near the playoff zone. Um, and I think if we don't turn it round soon, then we're going to be in the danger zone, really. It's been a bit frustrating so far. All the early season optimism in the in the summer, uh, all the good signings, that kind of thing, got us all excited. And it's not quite gone yet, but I think we're almost there. I think eventually it'll get it'll click into place, and when we get everyone back from injury, we'll start to see what we can do. The home form's been good. Yeah, it has. It's always nice to be to be good at home for the fans, get the fans coming down, and obviously get some money for the club. Um, sort it out away, and like I said, we're almost there. That's all that needs to happen, isn't it? As you mentioned, there a lot of new signings in the summer, some pretty impressive names. But from what you've seen so far, who've been the most impressive signings on the pitch? I think I've got to say Burke, who was here last season. Graham Burke, he's looked every inch a good player for this division and looks like he's got the potential to go on Adam Campbell's been very excited for us I think the only issues we've had have been at the back at the moment I think once we get that sorted we'll, we'll be alright I think this is the first time for a while that Knotts as a club has actually been building for the future so it's not just about the 15 man to play as the squad plus some reserves I think it's more about the 15 man for the squad plus 10-15 for the future uh, which is refreshing but We've got to get out of this league. Is, uh, is promotion still the aim this season? Do you think it can be achieved? Well, they say automatic promotion is about seven to nine games you could lose and still get in automatic promotion. What have we lost now? Six. So you're probably looking more around the playoffs as a, as a chance to go in up now. It's important for me because uh, my weekends are ruined and um, this year certainly... Um, you know, like, because we go to a lot of away games, because um, we've moved near London, like, I'd like to go to some nicer grounds <laughs> next season, and um, I'd like a happy husband and to enjoy my roast dinners on Sundays Don't a bit get more. To a Notts County fan. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> There you go. One reason to want Notts County to get out of uh, League Two at the first attempt this season. Those are the views of some Magpies fans we caught up with outside Meadow Lane. This is We Are Going Up, live on the road, part of our special month of themed shows. And I've been doing some research on Kevin Pilkington, DC. You know, you're asking about him. 41 years old. Uh, he's been at Notts County since 2012, apparently. Only played three games, though, in the last three years. Previously at Mansfield, Luton... Uh, Notts County, Wigan, Aberystwyth, Port Vale, Celtic, Rotherham, Rochdale and Manchester United where he played <laughs> for six years and made six appearances. That seems to be the rule, basically one appearance a year. So if we're lucky we'll get him today. Uh, we're going to talk about the visitors in just a minute um, who are Plymouth Argyle and um, quite an impressive away following they've brought. Absolutely, uh, particularly if most of them have come all the way from Plymouth on a, on a, well, have been a very early Sunday morning drive up to, up to Nottingham. But... Your team is second in the league, could go top today, you're playing really well and you know it's early season, the, the sun is shining, it's a, it's a great day to get out and follow your team and you know, it must be a good time to be a Plymouth fan. More on Plymouth Argyle then in just a second, hang on there. We are going up on the road, we've got the Football League covered. We've been doing this podcast for about four and a bit years and a lot has happened at Plymouth Argyle during that time. They've been through the mill a bit, uh, but it seems things might be finally looking up for them with their new man in charge, Derek Adams. Uh, They're second in League Two. They can actually go top of the table with a win today. Yeah. I think John Sheridan did a decent job when he was there obviously got them to the playoffs last season and they, they, they lost out to Wickham in the end and he left the club in the summer and I think you can when managers leave after a bit of success you can often worry think maybe is that we 
we're going to regress a bit. We're going to regress back to the mean. But they've done really well. They've they've, they've improved. They got even. They got even better. Derek Adams, an unknown name to a lot of English football fans, to a lot of Plymouth fans, but he's done very well at, at Ross County, up north of the border, and he's made a great start to life in English football. I've been uh, reading about some of the signings he's made from his old club, Ross County. Uh, Graham Carey and Jake Jervis in particular. Jervis is a name that will be familiar to football league fans. He's been around the block a little bit, but from what I from what I see, they've been very impressive so far and a big part of Plymouth's uh, great start to the season. And Jake Jervis used to play for your boys. Pretty much every other team in the Football League, I think. Uh, he's played at Notts County as well, um, in amongst his various stints on loan. When he was with us, he was very good. He, he can he does score goals, but he just moves around all over the place. Uh, I think he's even played. A, I think he's played in Turkey. Uh, as well there's various stints out of somewhere so you know one of those constant frustrations in lower league football somebody just can't settle down somewhere unfortunately uh, just looking at Plymouth's form going into this uh, good win against uh, rivals Exeter in midweek in the Football League trophy beat Crawley last weekend wins over Barnet uh, also won away at Wickham a few weeks ago they're in good form and we've caught up with a man who knows more than anyone else I would say about Plymouth Argyle we've had him on the show before Mr Chris Errington uh, from the Plymouth Herald football editor at the Plymouth Herald uh, and we started by asking Chris what he's made a Plymouth start to the season uh, it's been an excellent start for them uh, you know there was a lot of change over the summer at uh, Home Park uh, Derek Adams replaced John Sheridan as the manager and he made uh, eight new signings and sometimes I think when you make that many signings it takes a little while for those players to fit into the squad and that hasn't really been a problem to be honest even in pre-season they, they, they settled in pretty well the new signings and a sort of the, the nucleus of the squad from last season that got in the playoffs and the new signings have gelled and you know Argyle have made a great start to the season and what's the football been like I've read a few, few of your pieces and it seems to have uh, seems to be pretty good from what, I, from what I can see and what I've seen in the highlights yeah, they've played some decent stuff. Um, the manager likes to keep it on the deck, um, you know, which you don't always get in League Two. Um, Graham Carey's been a really key player for me. He's been playing in the centre midfield in the sort of number 10 role, if you want to call it, behind generally Ruben Reid when he's been fit. He pulls the strings, he takes all the set pieces, good pass, a good left foot. Unfortunately, in this game this afternoon, it's come a bit too soon after a knee injury for him today, so he's on the subs bench, and, um, and that's a blow for them, although they have got players that, you know, hopefully can come in and, uh, and do a decent job for them. Um, it was obviously a near miss last season losing out in the playoff semi-finals um, promotion got to be automatic promotion got with the aim given the start yeah I think um, you know when Derek Adams came in he said you know we've got to try and improve on last season they finished seventh last season so you know he was looking to improve on that 11 games in you're, you're thinking automatic promotion would be nice it's still early days isn't it and as you guys know League 2 is so unpredictable on any given day anybody can beat anybody you can have a good run and, and suddenly you'll be on 3 or 4 wins and then all of a sudden a month later you can be on 3 or 4 defeats now, I'm hoping that won't apply to our goal but it can happen and um, so yeah you know, you'd, you'd like to think that it'll be challenging you know, pretty close to the top of the table this season Notts County have got a pretty good home record, but overall they've not done that well. Very inconsistent so far this season. What do you, uh, what do you expect uh, to see today? Do you think uh, Argyle can do it? Well, Notts County, I see, have won their last four home games. Uh, one in the Johnston Paint and three, the last three in the league. So they're, they're good at home and obviously they've been struggling away from home. I think it's eight goals in the last two away games they've conceded. So it's pretty clear to see that if they could get their away form half decent, they would probably be uh, up near the top of the table as well. And they might be one of those teams we were just talking about that suddenly could just click they've had you know I talked about Argyle having eight signings didn't they have about 20 or something like that in the summer and you know I, I don't see how you can make that many changes and it just 
fall into place straight away. They've all got to get to understand what their new their manager wants. You know, looking at sort of Isle McLeods and, and Alan Smiths and people like that, you would expect that as the season goes on, Canty will probably get stronger. So, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised if their playoffs or higher, you know, um, come the end of the season. And a great chance, obviously, for Plymouth to show off how good they've been because this game's live on, on TV today. Yeah, I mean, they had mixed fortunes on the TV last season. They were four times, twice in the playoffs, and obviously they lost both of those games against Wickham. Um, but they were um, in the league. They won at Luton and won at home to Portsmouth. So, you know, they had mixed fortunes on the TV. Yeah, I mean, they, they've, they've played well this season, and, you know, I'm hoping they do themselves justice in front of a, of a TV audience. Yes, they've done well. In Plymouth, I think, you know, people in Plymouth and the southwest are saying, yeah, this is looking promising. Um, it'd be nice to show the rest of the country that there is progress being made at home park it's not too long ago uh, that I can uh, remember having people on the pod and such as yourself and, and other Plymouth fans when we were talking about uh, Peter Reid having to pay the electric bills yes. you know and, and there are some really really desperate times for Plymouth in the, in the not too distant past but it seems like they're in a good place now yeah, it's taken them a, a long haul. I mean, and, and John Sheridan, who was the manager here before, he, he came in in January 2013 and they were virtually rock bottom of the Football League. And to be honest, when he took over, I was really worried, and I wasn't the only one, that our guy were going to drop out of the Football League. And um, we've seen it down in Devon when Torquay dropped out of the Football League and the difficulties they're having now, unfortunately. And, um, you know, we're all hoping that they can turn it around. And, and our guy were close. They, they only stayed up on the last day of that first season under John Sheridan, basically because Barnett lost. And um, that was a really close call and it's taken them time they finished 10th the following season 7th last season so there has been gradual progress and um it's not the biggest squad that Derek Adams has got but I think he's gone quality not quantity route in terms of how he's used his playing budget and you know we're hoping that if they can stay reasonably fit and avoid in, uh, suspensions that they're going to be up there for, for the course of the season but it, it's been a long way back for Argyle they got they, they sank really low and um like you say, only only just now you feel as though they're beginning to come out of the, the financial troubles they had. And on Derek Adams himself, obviously we, we know about the team and how well they're doing this season, but what's he been like to deal with in terms of his character? Because you know, not many English football fans would probably know too much about him. No, I mean, when I heard that he was in contention for the job, I had to go onto, uh, on, onto online and uh, do a bit of research about him because, you know, he'd been up at Ross County for six years and um, I think Ross County are the most northerly professional club in Great Britain and obviously Plymouth Argyle and the most southerly so he couldn't have gone any further in this country and um, I didn't know a lot about him when you talk to people up in Scotland you know he took Ross County from the second division in Scotland into the premiership and they finished their fifth one season in the premiership now I've been to Dingwall which is where Ross County's based and it is a tiny place I mean Plymouth must be I don't know 25 times I don't know how many times bigger than Dingwall so um, he's come to um, Plymouth Argyle and he's really relished the, the occasion and we've all seen Scottish managers you know, come down from north of the border and have a really good impact the thing I like about him is his attention to detail he really does not miss a trick I mean I was watching him again this afternoon every time he comes to a way ground he walks out first thing he does he walks the width of the pitch paces it out himself finds out what the um, what the width is when we played at Wickham the other week you know he was, he, was, he, he noticed the length of the grass was longer than he would normally expect it again. It, it, it all seems small things, but it's a bit like um, you know Dave Brailsford, the cycling guy, and he always says, you know, just the little. You can't make a massive jump in in performance, but if you do lots of little things, just that little bit better, you you, you make a big difference. And um, it's the attention to detail that's impressed me. And um, he's come down, he's made some good signings. You know, nearly all of the signings he's brought in have made a, a good impact. And I think any manager gets judged on two things 
things, results and his signings. And the results have been good, the signings have been good. So, you know, early days, but very, very encouraging. That was Chris Errington from the Plymouth Herald Football Editor talking to us a few minutes Sorry ago. Sorry to interrupt you, Mark. We're, we're witnessing a wonderful scene at the moment where the two, uh, the two mascots in Notts County appear to be who are what appears to be a male and female magpie currently being rained on by the sprinklers. <laughs> They're very much enjoying it. Not shying away. That is ridiculous. Plymouth Argyle anyway, as Chris said, uh, flying, been through a lot since Peter Reid had to pay for the, yeah. the, you know, the pay for the, the lights and all that kind of thing. <laughs> Whatever else he did, pay for the players. Um, do you think this is the year they can push on and, and get promoted? Well, that's got to be the aim. When you make that a good start to the season as they have, uh, playing really well, confidence is flying, you've got to try and keep it going. The league's going to be tight. League two's always tight. You have teams that go on late runs and, you know, like York did a few years ago, that, that amazing run from near the bottom of the league to nearly getting the playoffs and is a long way to go. But they made a good start to the season and I'm sure they'll be confident of being able to continue it and make a real real challenge for automatic promotion well we've already mentioned the Plymouth fans you might have heard from them in the background there we caught up with a few outside the ground early start for lots of them today to get up here to Nottingham we asked them um, about their start to the season because it's looking good so far played 10 oh sorry played 11 second in the table 23 points yeah new manager new team rebuilt from last year um, John Sheridan gone um, pleased with the start they made. Considering Derek Adams was fairly unknown to us, um, when I found out about his appointment, I did a little bit of research on him, and then it's like, okay, a few good signings, and it's yeah, it's been all good so far. Especially uh, past two games, have been awesome. Absolutely cracking. Yeah, he's, he's really sorted the team out. So he's got um, from a, a strong start last season with some good players. He's really uh, brought in some cracking new players, additions to the squad. And um, they're just taking it on to the next level. So uh, hopefully, have a good season ahead. From what I, I've seen like, a few highlights and stuff here, and they've been reading a bit about the the team before the game today. It looks like they've been playing good football as well. Yeah, they have. They um, been through a game against Exeter. Um, absolutely fantastic game. Um, demolished Exeter. Um, it's great for the Argyle fans. And uh, um, but they're knocking it around really nicely, and actually look real positive going forward, which is uh, is always good to see. So some of the players he, he signed have come from Ross County, his old club. So obviously he's used to the players, and, and they, they've from what I've seen, they've, they've made quite a good start to, to life. At, at Plymouth Graham Carey in particular seems to be a player that's caught the eye Jake Jervis as well Graham Carey absolute star I've met him a couple of times already this season he's been you know, complete professional Graham Carey is the probably standout one for me Boateng is also showing his uh, his ability now that he's matured into the team and he's settled into the style of play and last season obviously he got to the playoff semi-final <laughs> not sorry to remind you this season has promotion got to be achieved um, it'd be great if it is, yeah. Um, you know, obviously the playoffs are a nice bit of a lottery, but you know we can do without that. If we can go up automatic, so much the better. We're hoping for automatic promotion, but to be honest, any sort of promotion will do for this year, and especially with uh, the new manager in, yeah, it'd be a result to get in the playoffs. And what about today's game? Notts County have had a, an indifferent start. Is this when you're looking to pick three points or bin to go back top? It should be two now. Uh, to us, obviously. <laughs> Have you ever got up at silly o'clock to watch Watford anywhere? What's the, the longest, long away day you can remember? The longest one I've done is Sunderland. And I went on the club coach. So we, of course, left about four hours you know, earlier than we really needed to. Uh, it took ages to get up there. But yeah, it's an amazing, amazing dedication, isn't it? From, uh, and you think about their location, it oh, makes yeah. it difficult to get to any game, really, yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, but as I said before, when, you, when your team's flying high, it makes uh, those long journeys all the more bearable. Certainly does, right? The two magpies have dodged the sprinklers, I think. 
Uh, the players are getting ready to come out. You can hear the Plymouth fans in the background. Don't forget, later on in the show, we're going to have an interview with the director of a new film, I Believe in Miracles. Indeed, Johnny Owen. Uh, it looks really good. looks really good. I watched the trailer this morning, and hopefully we'll be watching the film uh, a bit later on today. The, uh, the, this evening, as we record this on, on Sunday, the premiere is at the city ground. Ah, just, just three and a half just thousand over the way. fans will be watching it in, in the ground, and um, it looks really, really good. Amazing. So we'll speak, hopefully, to him a little bit later on in the show, and if we're lucky, the two managers after full-time as well. But coming next... Next, it's our take on what's about to happen in Skybet League 2. This is our first live show, that live uh, game of the season. Yeah. I think on We Are Going, it certainly is. First live game of the season for us on We Are Going Up. Plymouth Argyle away at Notts County. All the action next. We are going up live. We've got the Football League covered. We're ready for the off players are all lined up balls in the uh, centre circle the game's underway and straight away you've, you've, uh, you've got something to say about Ricardo Moniz's jacket I have it looks tremendous it's like similar to sort of the uh, Arsene Wenger style long puffer jacket <laughs> but it appears to have some sort of I don't know whether that's a scarf or that's the lining of the jacket potentially a wool lining so that's the first item to discuss the jacket second item is the Plymouth Awake this awful kind of lilac monstrosity essentially it really isn't uh, I don't, I'm not sure the, co- the combination of a purple lilac away kit and bright fluorescent green boots works either <laughs> uh, no it's like kind of um, yeah it's, they've got changed in the dark essentially third thing that I want to mention right from the office the last time you were here on <laughs> with regards to that field was for a very altogether different reason than watching a Skybet League 2 game uh, long term listeners may not know about this secret from your past um, tell us more Indeed. Last time I was in this ground, I was on the pitch, in fact. Playing football? Not playing football. It was, there was a playing sport. There was a rugby match going on, but I was not one of the, um, the participants in said rugby match. I was a cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just say that again for us. I was a cheerleader. <laughs> I was a member of the Trent Tigers, the Nottingham Trent cheerleading team. And of course they needed, you know, there were no pom-poms involved, there were no skirts, no ribbons in my hair. I was the uh, hired muscle to help lift the girls and throw them up even higher. Yes, of course you were. (laughs) So does photographic evidence of this exist? Yeah, there's a video of it somewhere online, I'd imagine. Were there ulterior motives to you joining the cheerleading team? Absolutely not. Right, fine. Okay, so (laughs) search that out on Google, everyone, if you can. David Cameron Walker, cheerleader. So I turned up yesterday in Nottingham about sort of 4.30, 4.45-ish, I arrived. You were in a pub watching Soccer Saturday, and you were screaming Leighton Orient a lot. Leighton Orient! What was all that about? As Watford weren't playing yesterday, I had to adopt a team to be my team for the afternoon, and Leighton Orient being the, the closest to my uh, current uh, place of abode, uh, I had to pick Leighton Orient. And they had a man sent off, which meant I had to down my pint... Um, which I wasn't too pleased about. Didn't, um, though in your defence, Dave, that didn't mean Mark had to down his pints when Barry had a man sent off. Yeah. Instead, you didn't do that, Mark. I didn't. I walked in the door, we were 2 0 up, and within 10 minutes, we had a man sent off and we conceded two goals. So, me and Carl say, watching the action, 0 0, played around about 10 minutes, uh, but you're more bothered about what's going on at Ribblesdale Rovers. 
indeed pitch 8 of Clapham Common against Merton Forest it was a uh, 1.30 kickoff, so the game will still be going on as we speak so to explain this is your Sunday team it's my Sunday team that I would otherwise be playing for if what, I, sure. I wasn't here right, okay, what, do you have to give an official reason why you couldn't, couldn't be there today I know I was quite honest with him right, okay. fine, yeah. fine. we've made a good start to the season we're unbeaten in 5 T- top yeah. of the league yeah. how many teams in the league I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great ball across the face of the six-yard box. Goalkeeper Scott Loach comes and claims. Oh, it's a bit of a barge. Oh. Oh, hello. It's all kicking off. It's Reuben Reed, I think. Scott Loach. How the mighty have fallen. Say it. Say what? Had a spell at Watford. He did have a spell at Watford, <laughs> yeah. He's, very, he's an interesting player, Scott Loach, because he was really highly rated when he came through with us. and He was in England, the England under-21 squads. Played in the 2009 European under-21 final opposite Manuel Neuer in the other goal um, whose careers have gone in decidedly different directions since but he just looked like a he had a bit of a bad spell at Watford and it looked like he just never regained his confidence in a succession of moves oh chance a good shot for Knox County there so there's a long-haired midfielder with orange boots who's kind of strolling through the game and I was like oh this guy's good who's he? <laughs> it's Alan Smith it's Alan Smith never, thought, never did I think I'd see the day where Alan Smith had the number four on his back He's, been, he's gone from being a striker to a defensive midfielder, essentially. He has. Well, but that's been the case for many years now. And yeah. I was reading a, a, an interview. That's started at Old Trafford, that really. Yeah, I was reading an interview with him before the start of the season. And it was quite interesting, actually, because um, he, he was talking about that move from being a striker in his, in his, in his youth to, to being a deep-lying sort of central midfielder that he is now. And a lot of it came about because of that terrible injury that he got at Manchester United, if you remember. Was it against Liverpool? At Anfield, yeah. Yeah, really awful. Oh. Gone the other way. Handball claim there, McLeod. Thought he should have had a free kick, it's gone against him. And um, yeah, terrible ankle injury, wasn't it? And he was out for, for a long time, and, and he was never the same sort of dynamic, quick player that he was after that. And, and credit to him, he changed his game and went on to have a, a, a different career than the one you, you may have expected him to have when he came through in that Leeds team, the David O'Leary Leeds team that got all the way to the Champions League semi final. But I think credit to him, really, because a player like him, he would have made really good money at Manchester United, Leeds, Newcastle. He probably could have retired. He doesn't need to be playing in League Two level at his age, but he, you know, he's stuck it out. He's still playing. He, he was at MK Dons for a bit, wasn't he? Yeah. And now at Notts County, I think he's taking his coaching badges and doing a bit of coaching as well. And uh, yeah, credit to him. It's got a bit cold here, actually, hasn't it? Considering it was an absolutely beautiful outside. As soon as, we, as soon as we got in the press box, Karl McQueen says, oh, that's nice. And then ten minutes later, he's changed his tune. The world's hottest room was the, uh, the, the press uh, room downstairs. No water in there. No water. But it did have tea, though. You have as much tea as you want, but no water. Ridiculous. Listen to me, what a diva I turned into. Actually, <laughs> wonderfully named players in the Notts County squad. Gil Swertz. Stanley Abora. I don't find many Stanleys these days, do you? <laughs> don't. Is there another player in England registered at a professional club called Stanley? I'd love to, I'd love to know that. Let us know if you, if you do. At Wagyu Podcast on Twitter. Or you can get in touch via we are going up.co.uk. Great turn from Alan Smith there. Rolling back the years. I should actually. Uh, as the ball comes to the right hand side, Elliot Hewitt taking on his man inside. Oh, that's a. Oh, great effort. I think that was Jill Swartz himself with the green boots. In-swinging, left-footed shot from sort of the corner of the penalty area. Threatened to go below the crossbar, but just ended up on top of it. And um, we should say, actually, some people came up with some suggestions last week for because we did the big, the big special on cult heroes. Yeah. Um, Roy Essendo 
Oh, of course. From CFAX, this is just suggested by Matt. Striker himself, who scored the winner for Wickham at Leicester in the FA Cup, I do believe. Laurie Sanchez was confined to the dressing room, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Also, Glenn Little and Dave Kitson at Reading. Says, Rob, you were thinking about Glenn Little, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, In terms of when we were doing the show last week. And Freddie Adu, just just so everyone knows, we did ask about his whereabouts last week. Freddie Adu is now playing in the second tier in the US, playing for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. So thank you to Andy, who got in touch to let us know about that. 1-0. There's been a goal. Plymouth Argyle have scored. It's Ruben Reed with a goal. Goal out of nothing, really. Just a long ball up to him. Great first touch. He's rolled the defender. And really good finish from just outside the box. Low, hard, past the goalkeeper. That'll teach me for having the uh, recording device just placed on the the desk in front of us because nothing was happening. All of a sudden, in a flash, the visitors have taken the lead. Took that really well. Yeah, excellent finish. As Dave said, the first touch, the touch to just roll off the defender really was excellent. And uh, credit to him with the finish, uh, right in the corner of there, and Scott Lynch didn't really have chance. It was kind of crisp, wasn't it? Sort of hit it really nicely, sweet, uh, to Loach's bottom right, went straight in the bottom corner. And I, I don't, I, I'd say Notts County have just about been, been the better side so far. They certainly had more possession without really creating too many chances. So. So gets the run of play in a way, um, but we'll see if they can come back now. Trying to look for an immediate response, offside decision. Do you reckon they do that on the sky? The commentators just put their microphones down on the table and nothing's happening. <laughs> Suddenly there's a goal. Uh, well, the good news is we're not going to have a, another goalless draw. Our record continues whenever we've done a live special. No nil nils. It's uh, Notts County nil, Plymouth Argyle one. Plymouth had it again. Oh, the good spell trouble chance of a second. And it's blazed over the top by Greg Wilde on his right foot. The home fans behind that goal to our left. Not impressed with their sides defending. It was Reed involved in that once again. He's a prolific goal scorer, Reuben Reed at this level. You can hear them fans. They've lit a flare. A green flare has <laughs> been lit. The Plymouth green fans singing smoke. we're top of the league. Oh, nice little move this. Oh, off the post. Complete. Oh. Lovely little intricate passing move inside the penalty area. Ball fizzed across the six-yard box. Not quite sure who had the last touch, but it hit the inside of the post and came back out. The game's exploded into life all of a sudden. The home fans getting behind Notts County now. Trying to build a bit of pressure. Campbell into Swartz. That's a nice little move as well. That's Elliot Hewitt who's gone down. They want a decision. They're not getting anything. It's gone out for a goal kick. And the fans are furious. A young, a young man to my left is shouting for a penalty, even though the foul was at least 10 yards outside the penalty area. You've just been looking at your, uh, your phone and you spotted uh, a message that you missed last night from uh, the man to my left. Yeah, just really going through uh, you know, documentation of last night, making sure nothing got too out of hand. Uh, a text from DCW at uh, four minutes past one, just saying, lads, casino? <laughs> Defend yourself. Why wasn't I with you? I don't know. It's an absolutely superb fan sitting just to my left. I don't want to speak too loud because if he sees me or hears me, he looks like he, he, looks like he could uh, absolutely <laughs> tear me to pieces. But he's absolutely screaming abuse at the team. Never they get the ball. Just a lot of one-word repetitive shout. Byline, byline, feet, feet, <laughs> tight, tight. Feet, feet. Oh, that's a good cross. Oh! Right-footed cross from Adam Campbell. And the header 
<laughs> complete, completely, completely missed it, it didn't he? Not scary, have had plenty of efforts on goal. Just not find the back of the net yet. A lot of possession as well, particularly in the final third, particularly down their right-hand side, as you as you said. The final ball hasn't been good enough, and then the, the occasions where it has been a decent ball, the uh, players attacking the ball just haven't haven't delivered the goods, as, as we see just with that header a minute ago, completely missed, six yards out, should have been a goal. Um, but I think they, they should be encouraged, really. They're 1-0 down, but they don't deserve to be. There you go, there goes the half-time whistle. Got to agree with that. They don't deserve to be. Entertaining enough, first half. Yeah, it's, the game's got better as it's gone on. Um, but I think I think that goal sort of sparked Notts County into life. They've had more of the possession. They've had they've had some reasonable chances. They just they just need more quality in the final in the final third. Would you go along with that? Absolutely. I think Notts County have actually looked quite comfortable. As you say, there's chances to hit the post. Alan Smith's deflected shot. But, I mean, it's still in it. They won the down, but you know, Plymouth had one good chance and scored from it, which is the difference between the two. And uh, we'll be back with the second half shortly. I can see two temporary nets being wheeled out onto the pitch. So um, I don't think we're going to have a repeat of Peterborough Bradford with this skip, but you've got to love the ball in it. Looks like we've got some kids coming out to have a game. So we'll watch this at half time. I think you want to get a pie, don't you? Yeah, pie, yes. <laughs> okay. And we'll be back with you for the second half next. We are going up on the road. Okay, we're back underway. Second half, Notts County nil, Plymouth 1. How was your pie? Very good. What did you have? I think it was uh, steak and um, steak and, and kidney. Steak and kidney, yeah. <laughs> you had to think, it was really. You had it was just kind of like brown mess. Any food will do at this point. Um, and also in our sort of new uh, clarification section of the podcast, um, something, some news to start the second half that all uh, Jill Swartz fans will be disappointed by. Yeah. Well, we, we were the player that we thought was Jill Swartz. And is it Jill or Gill in the, in the first in the first half? Um, basically, got it wrong. <laughs> It's actually Graham Burke who's uh, been involved heavily and had a lot of the chances. And I know this because I've just gone into the press room and while I was eating my pie, they had the game on the, the Sky coverage on and they did a whole bit on him and how good he was in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I was going to say they don't make this mistake on the telly. Who's doing the punditry? Um, it's Sean Derry and Ian Holloway. Oh, whereabouts are they? Are they in, in the ground? Uh, they're in the studio. Ah, they're in the studio. I see. Right, Notts County have got a corner. Come on, you pies, they sing. Like a, an angled ball out to the wing, don't they? Notts County. Abora, he's been quite impressive, I think. He's been distributing the ball very well, and he finds he's been finding uh, Adam Campbell in particular a lot. Just hitting that ball over the fullback's head into space. Just not been able to do anything once they've got there, though. Oh, oh for a second I thought we were going to have the classic thing of the ball going actually out of the ground there. What did he just say? He's just selling, shouting, at, shouting at Stanley Abora. Kick it, kick it. <laughs> Always a good idea in a game of football. Oh, he's got gas. Jervis. Plymouth, break him. Jake Jervis on the left. Nice. No. Gonna, yeah. Well, shepherded out by Swartz. The real, <laughs> will the real Gil Swartz please stand up? <laughs> I really want to name this podcast that. <laughs> 
That's not a bad ball from Alan Smith. Campbell trying to get it to the byline. Lifts it across the face of goal. This could be the equaliser. It's back in. Up goes the header. The fans want a penalty. Ball's pinballing around the penalty area. It was McLeod who was in there. Couldn't quite get on the end of it. And now Plymouth can break. Reed in the centre circle. Oh, he's got a man three to his left. He couldn't find him. He might find him now. Why has he not played that ball? That is unbelievably selfish. And this game's starting to come to life again now. That's a good ball. Noble, McLeod. Edge of the area. Offside, I believe. Yeah. Good hurrying, good pressure from Alan Smith again leading the charge now there's a break on Noble he's got a runner Campbell to his right is it, is it oh it's a good ball Campbell's onto it into the area shoots too weak straight at the goalkeeper frustration growing amongst us around us they're going to break down break down the stands <laughs> they keep doing that was that our friend yeah he's furious that's a good turn from Noble now that's a good ball Eyes on McLeod, onto it, edge of the area. Numbers getting back for Plymouth now. And that, is that a foul? Certainly had his hand on him. Referee's given it. No, he's not. He's given a yellow for diving. McLeod has got the teapot on now. Hands on hips. Having a chat with Jeremy Simpson, the referee. Not been his day today, has it, McLeod? No, I think that's a good decision. He was looking for that. The board got away from him and you can see he was trying to go down. Another good decision by the referee. Twenty minutes to go. Um, sarcastically applauding long balls that go far too long. Um, optimism starting to wane a little bit. You can just sense that it's the kind of match where Plymouth will score a second late on. It seems at the moment. We've got a double substitution coming up for Notts County. I think someone from the Kardashians is coming on. <laughs> it's a Julian Jenner. Julian Jenner, and also the third of the De Silva brothers, Kyle De Silva. Not really known to be um, related to Raphael and. Fabio anyway here come the visitors chance of a second goal the ball delivered in from the left low across the six yard box it's taken a deflection and it's gone out for a corner and you do get the sense that one of these breaks is going to count eventually for Plymouth our friend has just half-heartedly tried to start the chant of you're getting sacked in the morning I believe directed at the Notts County manager another example of the uh, of the mixed views that some of the fans have about the uh, about the, the Dutchman Noble to take the corner then right foot that's a good corner and the referee has given a push Johnstead not happy this game is limping over He's the line petering, petering out. out that's the phrase that's like your sentence <laughs> flag chance chance for the visitors to seal it it's Reuben Reed again it's a good save by Scott Loach the ball's not dead Jervis tries to keep it in place it back for Reuben Reed it's 2-0 to Plymouth fantastic finish he's been the difference today and he comes over towards his manager Derek Adams well the referee's assistant is getting a bit of a mouthful from Moniz and Plymouth Argyle, DC are going top of League Two. Absolutely, I think Moniz is, is angry because he thinks it was offside. Reed did look possibly offside. We need to see the replay, obviously. But the, oh, what was that? A flare? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it was a flare in the Plymouth end. Um, but it was a good. He, he, 
offside or not, he controlled the ball well, ran onto it well. Good shot. It's a good save by Loach. Jervis kept the ball alive. Good pullback and a simple finish for Reed. It was like a triple circle cross on FIFA. Low back across yeah. the face of goal. Uh, you could see that coming, couldn't you? Well, yeah, I, I did predict it. It was one of us. Not scared of his half have, have not looked as good, quite simply, must admit, as he did in the first half. And Plymouth simply there well, was a counter, essentially. And you know, you, expected. You know, the worst thing about that was um, our mate's gone. He's, he's gone home. Was that him banging the door yeah. on the way out? <laughs> home! Home! Just, uh, <laughs> he's gone. So we've had the ginger Mourinho before. Now we've got the Scottish Mourinho, apparently. I'm not sure you want to be Mourinho, really, at the minute. Absolutely not, no. There we go. Jeremy Simpson blows the final whistle and Plymouth Argyle are top of League 2. They've beaten Notts County by two goals to nil. Two goals from Ruben Reid, one in each half. Deserved winners, DC? Yeah, in the end. I think as the game went on in the second half, they looked a lot more comfortable. Two bits of real quality. Ruben Reid showing his quality on the day. The two chances he had, he put away with ease. Notts County first half played pretty well. Started off the second half pretty well as well. Lots of possession. Lots of uh, good situations with Adam Campbell getting in, but just couldn't provide that, that quality in the final third. McLeod had a bit of a nightmare, got booked for diving, nothing was sticking to him, and in the end, a good performance from, without being spectacular from, uh, from Plymouth, a good performance, and yeah, deserved a win. Notts County actually got worse the more the game went on, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Clearly, they got a bit disheartened on the pitch. First off, they were very, very good. The better team, despite being 1-0 down, but this second-half performance by them... Worryingly lacklustre. Uh, Plymouth had you know, one good opportunity at the end and took it, and that's you know, why they now sit top of League Two. We're talking about your cable being very long before, not as long as this cable, which is on from the touchline to the centre circle. The Sky do a live interview. There were boos from the Notts County fans at the end of the game. Not very happy, the natives. No, they stayed. A few have stayed to brought the team off, but not many. Right, we're going to nip downstairs, and if we can grab a, ma- a word with the managers, we will. But as the Plymouth fans applaud their own fans who are swinging their tops above their heads in the sunshine, we'll leave it there for now. Full time, Notts County nil, Plymouth Argyle two. We are going up on the road. So we've moved outside of Meadow Lane. We're back near our hotel where we stayed last night. Remember getting back here? No. <laughs> um, but a minute or two ago, we were on the pitch at Meadow Lane hearing from both managers. Uh, in a second, we'll hear from Ricardo Moniz. But first, the Plymouth boss, Derek Adams, his side have gone back top of League Two. And he said that they had to withstand a lot of pressure. Yeah, I mean, you think you, when you come away from home, you've got to, you know, soak up the pressure. I was looking at it before the game and, you know, we've got a very good, you know, away record. Um, we haven't conceded many goals away from home. And it was important today that, you, you know, you have to defend well. And I thought we did that. Because a lot of players in that Notts County team have got a wealth of experience. They have, and um, you know, they threw bodies forward, and uh, you know, they had a lot of attackers on the park, and um, then you know, they tried to, to create chances, but um, you know, we limited them. You know, Luke hasn't really had many saves in the game. There was opportunities, uh, can't take that away from. Him, but uh, we knew that uh, 
when we could counter attack, uh, we'll score goals. Ruben Reed's first goal. We've not been short of quality this season when it's mm. come to scoring goals, but that turn, how do you control a ball on the fly and turn it all in with one touch? We well, have to ask Ruben that, but uh, you know he's uh, played really well today. I said that to him at half time. You know, it was the one that uh, was a shining light for us today, and uh, you know I thought that uh, he took his goals really well. He's unfortunately you know, never got a hat trick today. So that was Derek Adams after his side went top of League Two with that two 0 win over Notts County. Now the Notts County manager, and we can we got a good close look at the. Uh, at the code, didn't we? Yeah, it was even better than expected. It was, it was really nice. Yeah, it was built built in the code. It wasn't a scarf, as you were thinking. Uh, Ricardo Moniz, he said today, quite simply, the difference was one man, Ruben Reed. Inconsistency. One moment you bring him in the game. We were better the first half. Can't find the last last touch. Not no no confident enough. I think also with Campbell, Hewitt. Yeah, and then you 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 get impatient the second half. We played better. I think again not as good as against York but we played better I think McLeod the first chance he had he must go in a straight line to the goal yeah. he, he, he wanted to pass the ball to, to Noble I believe that are wrong choices and in the final third against the, the number one yeah, he must be more more creative more more how you say it have more flair because only the equalizer could bring us back mm. now we hit the post I believe it was yes. Burke yeah. Yeah? and that luck you didn't have and then it, uh, you know that we get impatient and we give more spaces away. Stanley played in the middle because then we had the memoir on the midfield. And uh, I saw it offside, but it was not offside. And then you know that that moment always will come for Reed and individual class make the difference because he made the difference. That was Ricardo Moniz, the Notts County manager, talking after the 2-0 defeat at home to Plymouth. And as we enter the, uh, the final straight of this podcast, we're now going to look a little bit more generally at football in Nottingham, specifically now Nottingham Forest, because uh, on the day we record this, you're actually going to record this interview tomorrow, but by magic it should appear, you're going to be chatting to the director of I Believe in Miracles. Yes, Johnny Owens. Uh, the film, as we talked about earlier, is about the Nottingham Forest side of Brian Clough, Peter Taylor, that rose from obscurity, really, sort of mid-table obscurity in the, in the second tier to champions of Europe, not once, but twice. Amazing. So, you're going to do that interview tomorrow, but by the magic of podcasting, here it is. This is We Are Going Up. We've got the Football League covered. So, Johnny, thanks very much for talking to us. Uh, for, for anyone who is listening to this and hasn't heard about I Believe in Miracles, briefly explain what it's all about. Uh, it's a film charted in the five years between 1975 and 1980 when Brian Clough went to Nottingham Forest and the extraordinary rise that he, that he caused to happen there when they went from the middle of the second division to become double back-to-back European Cup winning champions. And you had the, the premiere of the film at the city ground in front of thousands of fans with all the players there as well uh, last night on Sunday. How, how was the evening? It was unbelievable. I think we, I woke up this morning to be told that we're number 11 in the UK box office. <laughs> <laughs> so many people turned up. So it was an amazing night. It was very emotional to see, you know, an iconic stand at the Trent End, full like it was, full of fans, thousands of people there. To see the team introduced one by one, uh, they were all there, they were the miracle men, as they've been called now. Um, and except Martin O'Neill, who was on international duty, but sent a message over. Uh, it, but it was really emotional. And then we watched the film, and to be sat, like I said, amongst Forest fanatics was amazing, really, because it is a great story. It's a great football story, it's a great sports story, but it's their story as well. So it was lovely to be sat there amongst them. And I think that's one of the, the great things about the film, is that you, know, you see sports documentaries 
quite a lot and there's always a variety of different people talking about them but not always the people talking on the documentaries are the ones who are involved in the stories but all of the, the talking heads in this film are the players themselves and they really do have some amazing anecdotes yeah they're brilliant i mean in in the world of mockumentaries or documentaries or documentaries there's so many sort of categories but in that world um there's a what they call an assemble edit it's a bit arty sounding but basically the idea is if you can put a documentary together without a voiceover without somebody narrated as they call it then you are being really clever i mean senna did it was the first yeah. to do it brilliantly and that's what i try to do i try to tell the story just with their their talking heads and only the 16 players that played in the 78 79 campaign um and i thought you know what they're the people that knew Clough the best there's just so many books there's a whole industry around Brian Clough as we all know and it grows every sort of passing year even though he's been passed himself for over a decade um, but I just thought you know what these lads at that time between 1975 and 1980 that knew him the best they spent so much time with him I mean it was a great line from his family they said that they knew him better than us because he was in the forest so much and in the crown so much with them that um, you know they spent the most time with him so I thought you know what they'd be full of stories and they would really find out how he worked you know what made him tick we were familiar with the story of Brian Clough as you say there's been films there's been books there's been documentaries radio programs a lot but is there anything during the course of making this film that perhaps you had heard from the players that you hadn't heard before or something you weren't expecting yeah I mean he was I was I always remember Melvin Bragg uh, wrote a book about Richard Burton and he very famously said that he found a much grander man than even he expected and he was a fan of Burton and I think the same thing happened with me and Clough and one of the things that really surprised me I'm from South Wales you know and I remember the strike very well you know it was kind of a bit of time and Nottinghamshire certainly has got this reputation you know that they didn't come out and strike and whatnot and uh, it still carries to this day and one day I was going through some stuff and I found a miner's lamp and I sort of I was, it was, and it was presented to Brian Clough what Brian Clough had done was he'd strike in miners, he'd allow them into the games for nothing and feed them, to give them food. And um, nobody knew about this. And he wouldn't say anything to the press about it. Uh, and again, I found a much grander man than I possibly knew because A, he was doing that, which was incredible. But B, he didn't want anybody to know about it. He didn't want, he didn't want, any, he didn't want any fuss or publicity about it. And you just think, well, that's the measure of the man right there, really. I think this is particularly true for, for people sort of my age and younger who weren't around at the height of, of Brian Clough's success, the story that you tell in, in the film, he's almost, to me anyway, a, a bit of a, a, almost a mythical sort of character. We all, we all, we're all familiar with him. We've all seen the clips. We've all heard the, the stories about his eccentricities and the amazing team talks and training methods. But it's almost as if he's not real. But, but it, watching yeah. this film, you, you, you're reminded that this actually happened. It was an amazing rise. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is as well is that it took me, you're exactly right, he was so synonymous with Nottingham Forest that when he went, it was, it was, he went in 1992, really, when the premiership was yeah. starting to take off. And it took me a long time, like lots of football fans, to even get used to that, you know. I mean, the fact that Clough wasn't managing Forest, it's a bit like United with Ferguson now. It's almost a bit odd, really, you know. You see Van Gaal comes on, it, you know, poor David Morris went almost straight away because of it. A club like that becomes so synonymous with the manager, they almost become intertwined, if you know what I mean. Mm. And the club became him. That's what all great management does, they say, in all industry, whether the business, the, the club or the, the, the company or the factory or whatever it is, becomes a reflection of the person. And Nottingham Forest were like a reflection of Brian Clough. So right to the 80s, when I was you know, a kid growing up, I could always remember 
Brian Clough has been the manager of not just a, a successful team that won European Cups, but they were the only team that could compete or beat Liverpool. That's what I remember them as, really. And because I was a local supporter, I supported Cardiff and I supported Merth, where I was from, half my class supported Liverpool. So this team came along and were able to beat Liverpool. So you kind of went, well, I don't mind not in the forest because at least they're able to beat Liverpool and make it, you know, an interesting game, you know. And I, that's what I remember them. You're right, he became almost like a mythical figure and he still is a mythical figure, really. And it's still hard to sort of think of Nottingham Forest and not think of Brian Clough and that's testimony to him, really. Mm. And... The, one of the great things I, I enjoy by watching it is just how much of a, a window to, to a bygone era it really is. The game today in the modern world is so different to, to how it was then in the late 70s and, and in the early 80s. And I mean, it's, it's highlighted by, by the first European Cup campaign. The first round, they get Liverpool. I mean, that, the idea of that sort of thing happening, to, and it's a knockout game. And it was yeah, all, I mean, you know, you're, you're up against the champions, champions straight away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's amazing, really. They were, playing, they were playing the champions of Europe. Their first game in the history of them being in the European Cup. You know, now they say Manchester City needs five or ten seasons to get used to Europe. Yeah. They hear this all the time. It's like that first game with Nottingham Forest, who draws the double European Cup winning champions, Liverpool. Best team in Europe of the era. Liverpool fans say they're, they're the greatest Liverpool team of all time. The 77, 78, 79 Liverpool team. Brilliant side. Plus, first round, Liverpool. Cup final, get it on. If you lose that, it's not like you can, you know, draw or lose mm. away to the fourth place Swiss champions or Swiss Swiss league team. You have to win that game, and that's what they did. And they, and they could only play champions. So every time they played the team, Ajax, the champions of Holland, Cologne, the champions of Germany. So they had to play the champions every single step of the way. And I remember it vividly as a kid, you know, the imagery. And, and as you said, it was it was a different time, a different era. You didn't see football on television. So the final of European Cup, like the FA Cup final, was. You know, played live on TV. You know, so it was a big treat for you as a kid to sit down in front of this, you know, screen, and then you'd see the lush green grass of, of Munich and these shimmering red Adidas kits. It was a magical world for us as kids. You know, to, to watch a live football match from, from continental Europe, it was amazing. And really, to put it into perspective, the we I think we take for granted really just how much of an achievement this was not to win just one European Cup at the first time of asking when they've just won the league at the first time of asking to win it again. I mean, nowadays, but as good as Barcelona have been in the last sort of five to ten years, they can't win it back to back. And with, no. a, with a team of players who, you know, some some of them, Trevor Francis being the, the big example, cost a lot of money. But some of them have been there all the way through when they were middling around in the in the the old second division. Absolutely right. I mean, five of the team were already there, and he turned them into double European Cup winners. And I think what happened with the second European Cup, it showed it wasn't a fluke. It showed what a great side they were. And there's all these great stats about that team. I mean, they went. On, you know, unbeaten for 42 games. People remember that. But they only lost once then in 63. So they won another 21 games after that. And remember, these were this, this, these were teams that were playing the best teams, not just in, in Britain, in Europe. So, that, you know, this wasn't a side that won, went unbeaten in the third division or you know, the championship. But this was a team that was, like, winning the title. They were winning League Cups. They were winning European Cups. So an incredible side. I mean, really, one of the best domestic football teams that ever existed. And they played possession-based football with a cutting edge. They were compacting defence. They had the best goal keeper in the world Peter Shilton at the time you know it was no fluke really that they did what they did they did it because they were a brilliant side with brilliant players and you, you do get the sense that maybe no other man could have done what Clough did in terms of his methods and some of the, the things that he, did, that he did in terms of the, the lack of training at times and the very primitive training methods and you know giving the players a drink before or after the game if you felt they needed it and all these kind of peculiar sort of things that seem so alien to us nowadays but you get yeah. the sense that it was 
Clough that tied it all together and made those players, no matter how good they would have been without him, he made them better than, than they probably would have been otherwise. I mean, somebody wrote in one review that um, for all the analysis and data analysis they've got now and, and the diets, Clough, with one little sign with his hand, could achieve the same result. Yeah. <laughs> just by saying to a player, well done. Or just by saying to a player, if you've got your back to the goal, lay it off and then turn and, and you know get into an area near, near the corner flag. Say to John Robertson, I want you to say, take the ball side on so you can see the pitch, see where the ball's coming and look forward. Really simple, brilliant instructions. He said to Colin Barrett, the defender, if you're left back and you lose left wing out, the right wing out, you one eye, then it means you've lost them. So just keep them in your eye line. And it, you sit there and you think, these are bits of magic that I've never heard before, that he was telling these players. So he was a brilliantly intuitive man. But what he did was he communicated what he knew brilliantly. You get the sense that well, something that shines through, I think, from, from hearing all the testaments from the players and the stories they tell, even players that may have fallen out with him from time to time or, or in the role of manager, he's going to drop them. Archie Gemmell being a great example, being dropped from a, a European Cup final. But there's no resentment, there's no bitterness and it, you know, they would come back and help out and coach in the future with him and they, they all loved him so much and that's still very apparent when you hear them speak today. Yeah, they were all really fond of him. I mean, even Larry Lloyd, who, like you say, was his, was the one he was most tempestuous with, um, loved him. You know, and he says even now, you know, I loved him as he was with me, and I can see now as an older gentleman, as I matured through the years, that I was quite, quite quite a cocky young man, and maybe I needed to take him down a peg or two. And he said Brian was able to do that, and I can see what he did now was. So I think with age and maturity comes a realization of how brilliant that he was, and how, you know, listen, if you, if somebody gives you two Champions League medals. You're going to be. You're going to say that they were. They were all right, and they were. They were right, really. That's what you're going to do in years to come. And I think that's what's happened with a lot of them. They've all kind of, as age has come with them, gone. That was incredible. What happened? We were part of something really special, and somebody really special was our manager. So you're eleventh in the UK box office already after yeah. after one night. Uh, yeah. Where can where can everyone watch it around the country from from now on? So so uh, if you go on to from tomorrow night, it's nationwide, which is Tuesday. Um, and if you go on to a website, which is www.ibelieveinmiraclesfilm.com, you go straight into a website, and if you put in the location, it'll tell you the local cinema, and it's on right across the country on t- t- tomorrow night. Brilliant. Johnny, thanks very much for your time, and good luck with the film. Cheers. All the best. Bye-bye. Cheers. We are going up live. So where do we think Nottingham stands in the British football pyramid at the minute as a city? Well, it's not in its finest hour at the moment, I'd have to say. We've talked a lot about Notts County today and their, and their ongoing struggles with consistency and they're in League 2 for the first time in quite a while and Nottingham Forest a, a proud history you know, as, as, we've, as we've heard there talking to Johnny about the film and, and the great history of Brian Clough and the success in, in Europe and winning all those cups and winning the league you know they're nowhere near that today absolutely light years away and of course we, we, we live in different times and that, that can never be repeated but I think for Forest the success that they had under Brian Clough is a problem for them in some ways and, and I would say it's similar to a different situation but similar to a club like Liverpool or maybe a club like Sheffield Wednesday these, these teams that have had success in the past and, and that's always there it's always there in the background it's always there in the, the minds of the fans oh we used to be winning European Cups we used to be Premier League team we used to win the league why aren't we doing what we used to do and I don't think that helps managers and sometimes and it, it can add an, ex- an extra layer of pressure to an already pressurised situation but I suppose looking at the two clubs broadly Notts County and Nottingham Forest they're both examples of clubs that 
have spent too much time messing around off the pitch with bad decisions in the boardroom ownership issues changes of owners leading to a succession of managers changing managers both clubs have I wonder how many managers both clubs have had collectively since we started doing this podcast exactly. I'd say near 50 no 10, 15 or something yeah, exactly and, and that can never be a good thing I don't think it's, when, you, when you're changing manager too often you need some consistency and, and it smacks of neither club having a proper strategy as a philosophy of what they want to be and what they're trying to achieve they go from one solution to the next one kind of manager to another kind of manager you know Forrest appointing you know Look at this, the managers Forrest have had have been so different. You know, Stuart, Stuart Pearce, the, the hero from his playing days. You've got Steve McLaren, you had Steve Cottrell, and at the moment you've got Dougie Friedman, who was a, a, a surprise choice, a, a bizarre choice, really, when he, when he took over. So to me, it doesn't look like they really know exactly what they want. And the owner, Al Asawi, he, he obviously cares a lot about the club and he's quite a passionate and guy and he communicates relatively well, always on Twitter and stuff like that. But you know, it, it's taken him a while to get to grips of it, I think. And, you know, there's still probably some, some question marks out there from supporters in terms of how successful they, they could be under under his stewardship. I'd love to see Forrest in the Premier League. I cannot wait for that day when, whenever it happens. Because yeah. they are a great club. The City Ground's one of my favourite grounds to go to. When it's when that place is, is rocking and there's a full house and you, know, you, you, you are... The memories do come flooding back <laughs> of, the, of the successful days that they've had there. And I think they're a club that largely because of Brian Clough and such a magnetic charismatic personality a lot of people have an affection for Forrest and one of the, the great provincial clubs who had success in the 80s and I think people would like to see that back but them, them, they're a long way off they're, they're middling around in, in mid-table they're doing, doing terribly at home this season in particular and it doesn't look like anytime soon they're going to be getting up the table I reckon we should do another live one of these pick a different city and maybe explore this theme and if you want more on this are too unfortunate to doing a series of blog posts at the minute about it indeed football cities and I was reading this morning the one about Bristol which is a, a really the, the pretty much the biggest city in in England that's never really produced a, a properly successful successful team um, and, and they were discussing the possibility don't tell Sean that <laughs> discussing the possibility of a merger that always sort of comes up and you know the history of Rovers and City and kind of looking at why if you can at all find reasons as to why those, those teams have never really been that successful uh, there was a good one about MK Dons and, and kind of their standing in the in the football world I think they did one on Newcastle as well it's been, it's been a good series and I think there's some more to come as well do you want to go inside? <laughs> absolutely frozen <laughs> could you see it? At the back of, uh, back of my head, right? Okay. Um, news, oh, you got some news? Go on. You about to go? Were you about to? Uh, about to sign off? Sign off yeah. Off. Yeah. Well, of course. We've got to have an update, haven't we? From Clapham Common. Oh, go on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good news. A three-two victory for Ribblesdale Rovers. Goals from uh, Johnny. Tony Aboa Badrock so there must have been a goal that's gone in off the bar Dom Greg Halford Entwistle don't know why it's called Greg Halford uh, and Simon Harrison Reed Blacksall there you go there you go still unbeaten well done the Ribblesdale Rovers uh, right that is it for We Are Going It this week uh, thanks for listening the Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast uh, Facebook page facebook.com slash Wagyu Podcast Instagram as well we put some pictures from our visit to Meadow Lane today on the Instagram page also hello also you can download a free audio book if you go to audible.co.uk slash going up get a 30 day free trial download whatever you want and you can cancel before uh, the, the end of the trial period and also would you like to win 200 quid's worth of Amazon vouchers yes please 
This is what you do. You need to go to podcast-survey.com. What's that, Mark? What is that, Mark? Podcast-survey.com. Basically, it's a questionnaire. Fill it in, and you'll be entered into a draw to win 200 quid of Amazon vouchers, and it helps podcasts like us um, do some like, advertising stuff or something. It kind of It's like information on the audience. All right, good. Okay, so there you go. Can I do it? Yeah, Can go I and do it right it? now. Um, Am I allowed? I think so, yeah. Oh, I think so. Uh, right, that's it. We'll speak to you. We're going to do a show next week. I think next week, as our month of specials continues on We Are Going Up. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. We've got the Football League covered. Yeah! 